Blog Talk Radio. Well, let's all stand together and take out a red songbook. Let's turn in our songbook to number nine. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We're going to sing it out good and strong this morning. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to him eternally, my love's strong Lord. Overcoming daily with the spirit sword. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen, and that's where we're going to stand, amen. Praise God, this old world ain't promised me much of anything, and they've never followed through with anything I've ever been promised. But God has never failed. Hallelujah, he's always been true to his word. Amen. It's good to be with you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. On this last Sunday of, of June. Amen. I know. It's hot summer months. And I tell you, I'm, I'm not looking forward to how hot it's going to get. But I tell you, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Amen. Amen. No matter how hot it gets in Texas, I'm thankful I ain't going to hell. Praise God. Amen. Prayer request this morning. Don't pray for Dan. Dan's feeling rough this morning. I can tell you, he ain't feeling good. Y'all lift him up in prayer. Yes, amen. I'm thankful for that. Well, we're praying for you. I know he's feeling dizzy today and stuff. Y'all pray. He stays on his feet. Amen. Any others this morning? 
Miss Charlotte? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Any others on this side over here? Scott? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Good to hear a blessing. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Yes. Huh? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Others. Okay. That's, we're going to lift ground up in prayer. I'm telling you, I'm, pray, I'm praying God do something miraculous. I know he can. I know he can. I've seen him do it before. I've seen it. And I know he can. And I, that's what I'm praying daily for it, and I hope you're praying daily for it. Amen. Pray for him some comfort, too. I know he's struggling with discomfort. Others. All right. Well, I got a friend, Dean Ucy, up in Connecticut. I want you to pray for And a friend out in California, Dale Parks, I want you to pray for My brother, Wally Langford, and I'm sure there's some others that need prayer as well. But, but let's remember those in prayer, too. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us this morning. And Robert, lead us in prayer, please. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. There shall be showers of blessings.
mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead, there shall be showers of blessing, oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we bleed. All right, number 50. Number 50, I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Amen. Resolved. I've made up my mind. Amen. Here we go. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He has the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, great in his highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth, he is a living way. I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the path of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still will I enter in. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved that who will go with me from prison without delay. Taught by the Bible and by the Spirit. We'll walk the heavenly way. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. Amen. I always love that song, the spirit of that song. I made up my mind, and I'm not going to give it that. Amen. I'm in a hurry to get to Jesus. 
I'm in a hurry to follow God. I'll hasten. I ain't going to mess around. I ain't fooling around no more. I'm going to the Lord, and I'm going to walk with him. Amen. Number 71, the solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest praise, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I can't, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, reason is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I in him be found. Rest in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's the first thing I thought of when I heard of that collapse of that building in Miami, Florida. I don't know if they built that building on the sand, but that was first thing I thought of. All other ground is sinking sand. You don't build on the rock, you'll collapse. And I pray for those families and that tragedy. The loss, I think, at least five that lost their lives. The last count may have been more. But what a tragedy it is. They went on vacation. That was the last thing they knew. Amen. You pray for me this morning, that same. Of the blue. 
And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. But now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder into the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. What a sight that would have been. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch that the field is called in their proper tongue, I don't know how to say that word, Aceldama, I don't know. I don't speak that language, but anyway, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and, and his bishopric another t- let another take. Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Amen. He filled an office. Uh, He was a witness, and you'll notice there that he was... He was around Jesus from the beginning of his ministry all the way through to the end. He was faithful brother who stood by, and he was he was a, he was an apostle, but he followed them, and I believe he he traveled with them, and there was a company of people who followed them, and I believe he was one of them, and he was there, and he saw, and, and he was a witness to it all. Therefore, he could witness, he could be a faithful witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want us to focus this morning on verse fourteen. Verse fourteen is our text verse. And it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. By the way, that's the last time Mary's mentioned in the New Testament. Right there. But I want you to notice that one phrase there. They all continued with what? One accord. One accord. When I was in Bible college, they said, if he's going to do something, you need to have a scripture for it. There's one fellow, he said, well, I'm going to buy me a Honda, because the Bible said, and they were all with one accord. So, But anyway, uh, I don't believe you ought to use it that way, but I believe we ought to look at that phrase there, and I believe we ought to notice something, that they were in one accord, which means harmony. Now, I played that guitar this morning, and it sounded pretty good, because I tuned it before I played it. But if one of those strings had been, oh, just a, just a few... Uh, just a few degrees off from where it was, you'd have heard an awful sound, and you'd have said, hmm, there's somebody that's playing don't sound right. That's the feeling some people get when they walk into churches. They feel something ain't right. They feel a feeling of disharmony. They feel that somebody in here has got a wrong attitude. Somebody in here is mad at somebody. They can feel that something ain't right in a church. I'm going to tell you, if we're going to do anything for God, we're going to need to be in harmony. We're going to have to be in one accord. I'm going to pray in a minute. But we need to be in accord with one another. I want to share this real quick before we pray, before we get into the message. That's not just the one time that that was mentioned about them being with one accord. Uh, five times in the in the cha- in these first five chapters of Acts, we're told that they were in one accord. 
there in, in verse 14, then again in Acts 2, 1, it says, and, on, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And then another place is in verse 46 in that same chapter. The Bible says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Then in chapter 4, turn over there, verse 24, the Bible says, And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord our God, which made heaven and earth and sea and all that is therein. And then in chapter 5 and verse 12, we see, By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Now that's very vital and very important to us as a church that we be with one accord. We have one mission, one vision, one purpose. And we all ought to be here with the same heart, the same mind, that being the mind of Christ. We ought to have the same purpose, and that's to see sinners get saved, lives get changed, and Christians be established and go out and reach more Christians. That's our job. And that's what we're going to pray about this morning. Father, we, we go before you this morning. Lord, we ask you, please help us. Lord, we, we're your children, but Lord, we still have these robes of flesh on us that, that, that make us selfish and make us, uh, Lord, turn away from what we ought to be and what we ought to do sometimes. And Father God, we pray, Lord, you strengthen us in our spirit, Lord, by your Holy Ghost, Lord, that we might be, uh, Lord, like the song we just sang, resolved, no longer to linger, charmed, caught up in this world and all its trappings and all its delights. Lord, that we see ourselves in this moment, Lord, in this moment of time, in this today, Lord, that we'll never have again. Lord, every day we ought to look in. This is today, and I'll never have it again. And, Lord, it belongs to you, and I'm yours. Oh, Lord, help us to look at every day that way. Help us to, as a church body, as individual members of this one church body here, realize and recognize that it's our job, Lord, to serve you, to give us ourselves, our lives, to sacrifice, to lay it down at your feet daily. Lord God, we seek your power in our life. Lord, we seek your power in this church through your people. Lord, I pray this morning I pour myself out on your altar, and I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, you put your hand on me. Lord, allow me to preach this morning. Give me, Lord. Your power, I'm your instrument. Lord, take me and use me at your will. And, Lord, I'll give you all the glory, please. Forgive me and cleanse me and fill me now. Touch each heart, each life of every listener. Lord, make them ready to hear. Make them spirit-filled listeners. And we'll give you the praise and glory and all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. That's what we're going to focus on, that part of the Scripture. These all continued with one accord and harmony, all in agreement, in prayer and supplication. Ten days. Ten days of constant, persistent prayer and supplication. That's not a minor thing. If somebody said, hey, our church just spent ten days Night and day, there were people in our altars in our churches praying urgently for an outpouring of God's power. Praying urgently, desperately, God, please pour your spirit out on us. Please, we want to be used of you in this old world. Please, God, give us your power. If, if we spent 10 days, I mean, people were up here all night. People were up here all day for 10 days fasting and praying. 
God only knows what would happen in Clarksville, Texas. I don't think we ought to overlook what they did. Yes, they obeyed the Lord. And we don't, not, we don't need to look at it as specific to this particular moment in time. It was not just specific to them on the day, uh, waiting for the day of Pentecost and waiting for all that. No, I, I, listen, there's a Bible principle in this. There is a Bible principle that we need to see and we need to take for our own. If you need God's power, if you lack God's power, those who need his power, those who need the fullness of the Holy Ghost to do God's work in this world, always need to wait in prayer and plead with God till they are endued with power from on high. We need not go out in our flesh to try to attempt to serve God. We need to be a praying pleading, supplicating people. <clears throat> I'm going to get into this. i got 30 minutes, and I'm going to try my best to cover all this ground. i got three points this morning I'm going to make. We're going to cover a lot of Scripture. I'm going to tell you I ain't got a lot of talking. I'm just going to cover a lot of Scripture. But number one, God requires. He requires that we plead with Him in prayer. He requires that we plead with Him in prayer for power, for deliverance, for wisdom, for healing, for our wants, our needs, whatever it may be, God's method of giving us those things requires that we get alone in prayer and together, wherever it may be, and plead with him for what we need. I'm going to give you some examples this morning. It's, first of all, it's taught in the parable of the unjust judge, which we just covered just last week, where the woman came to him and wouldn't keep quit coming morning by morning, avenge me of my adversary. In that parable, Jesus starts off there in that first verse by saying in Luke 18, 1, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That was the purpose of the parable. That he told you the, the moral before he told you. We ought not stop praying. We ought not give up praying. We ought not quit praying. Just because it don't look good to us, just because with our human eyes we can't see the end of what we're praying for, we ought not stop praying. We ought to continue to pray. I told you the story. I'm not going to share it again of the friend of mine who prayed for 43 years for her husband. She prevailed in prayer. That's what she taught me sitting in her living room that night. They were feeding us supper, and she sat and told me that story. She wanted me to get that. Don't stop praying, preacher. Don't stop praying. She knew I was about to set off into the ministry, and she wanted to make sure I got that. Secondly on this, I see, that, I see the story of, of Jacob, the night that Jacob wrestled all night with the angel. Y'all know that story. I don't have to go through it all. But in that story, when he wrestled with that angel all night, in, in Genesis 32, 26 through 28, the Bible said, and he said, let me go. The angel said to him, let me go for the day breaking. And I believe with all my heart and soul that was, that was none other than pre-incarnate Jesus, angel of the Lord. I believe that. Now, you can argue dispute if you want to. But he said to him, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. What was he saying? I ain't been wrestling all night with you for nothing. 
I'm not letting go till I get what I came for. And he said unto him, What is thy name? He knew what his name was, but he wanted him to tell him his name because his name meant supplanter. Amen. It meant deceiver. And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed twice because you stay with it, you stay with it, you wouldn't let go. God wants us to stay with it and not let go. Third thing I see here, Samuel. Samuel cried unto the Lord all night when the Lord told him that, that Saul would no longer be king of Israel. In 1 Samuel 15, 10 and 11, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set Saul up to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. He was crying for peace about this. It, it, listen, sometimes we've got to just keep crying out to God until the peace of God comes over us and we know it's going to be all right. The fourth thing I see in this, Queen Esther. Y'all know the story of Queen Esther, don't you? King Ahasuerus, he threw a big festival and called, it, called Queen Vashti to come in so everybody in the kingdom could look on her beauty and she said, I ain't coming. You forget it, buddy. I ain't going to be on display for you. And he said, what are we going to do? We're going to call her again. She didn't come that time. He said, fine, you ain't queen no more. You rag lady now or something, but you ain't the queen. You can be the housekeeper, but you ain't the queen. And he sent his men, look out all over Israel. Got to find the best of the virgins. I mean, all, not Israel, but I'm, not, I'm sorry. Everywhere they could find them. And they, you know, so they brought in queen. And Esther came. She wasn't a queen then. And then old Haman... He wanted to destroy the Jews. And that means Queen Esther, too. And what did she do? Y'all know the story, don't you? Her and her maidens, they went and prayed unto God. Fasting and praying. Sometimes you got to get serious about it. Sometimes you got to lay down the gravy and the mashed potatoes and the meat and the salads and all that. you got to lay it aside. And I know this is a terrible day to talk about it because we got food right back there. I'm not talking about this afternoon, but I'm talking about when you get, when, when when you start praying for things, you start doing the God for things, you may have to skip a meal or two to really get a hold of God. You say, what does that do? Why do you pray? Can I explain scientifically what it does? You only got so much blood circulating through your body. Okay? You need a lot of it for your brain. You need a lot of it for your heart. But when we eat a bunch, or when we eat, guess what happens? Digestive system needs blood to function, so a lot of that blood is drawn to your digestive system. What happens? You start getting groggy and take a nap. Why? Because the blood ain't supplying your brain, it's supplying your stomach. And God said, lay off the food a while so you can think clearly, so when you get to the place of prayer, you can really pour yourself out to me and depend on me and, tr- and, and, and get a touch with me and not, and not have everything else in the world coming at you, not have the dullness of a full stomach eating at you. Hey, show me that you'll lay something precious to you down so that you come to me for what you need. Esther 4.16, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I don't know if Baptists can do that. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. I don't know if I've ever skipped it three days. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And she said, if I perish, I perish. 
That was some serious praying they were doing. I mean, this is life or death praying. Life or death praying. We've got to get a hold of God. There ain't no way around it. We've got to get a hold of God. When you get to that point, you'll pray. And you won't get up from that place of prayer because your tummy rumbles. When you get to that point, all those other comforts of life have left, they left the building. There's, there's no interference from the rest of this world when you've got to have an answer. I say to you, Jesus is our example of waiting and pleading. Luke 6, 7, uh, 6 12, the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He didn't go to sleep. He stayed there on his knees on the side of that mountain, lifting up his request to the Father. Even if there wasn't any specific instructions in the Bible to wait on God and plead in prayer for a Holy Spirit power, it's clearly God's will for his people to seek his face. Amen? Again and again in the Scriptures, we, we run into terms like wait upon the Lord, seek my face, terms like supplication, which means Humble begging. It's importunity, which means I will not leave until I get an answer. He's our example. And on top of that, we have a command in the Bible. In Ephesians 6.18, the Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. God tells us to pray and pray hard and pray right and pray through. And what that means, pray until you get an answer. Pray through. People don't talk about praying through no more. I don't know why. But God wants us to pray through. Now, what are we talking about? Listen, he told them to go and wait for the endowment of power from on high. What are we talking about there? Again, we're talking about power. Christ's power. See, when he went back to heaven, here they are. They just men. They got no. They got no divine power on them at that moment. They got. They. they I mean, they don't have Jesus walking with them. So they're in the upper room waiting, like he said, to, for the endowment of power. So they're they're in there praying, God, please, we can't do this without you. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And they knew that. So they're praying, God, please. Pour out that power. We need it. Oh, Lord, please. It's day and night, day and night for 10 days. That's a lot of praying. You say, well, surely somebody in that 10 days said, I got to go lay down. I can't take this no more. No. I was saying with one accord. There wasn't nobody in there trying to cause a problem. But wasn't nobody said, I just, my knees would give out, y'all. I just can't do it alone. No. You know what? Nobody's complaining. They're praying. They're getting into they got a hold of heaven. And they got a hold of heaven. They want to stay a hold of heaven. Why? Because there's lost sinners that's dying and on their way to hell. They got lost family members who are dying and on their way to hell. The people that they've grown up around are dying and on their way to hell. The people they're gonna meet are dying and on their way. Do you realize how many people in the world were dying and on their way to hell at that moment? Less than it right now. There's way more now than there ever has been. 
That seems odd, doesn't it? There was just 120 that were saved in the whole wide world, and yet there's more now lost than there was then. The great, the need's greater by the moment. Lost people die. The Bible said hell has enlarged herself. Listen, why do you think there's volcanoes popping all over the world? That's hell getting bigger. Hell got to make room. Secondly, there's specific instructions and promises about praying in the Spirit. There's specific instructions and promises. Isaiah 40, 29-31, all these are familiar. He giveth power to the faint. To them that hath no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they wait. They don't. They say, God, give it to me right now. I'm just going to give up. No. I'm going to wait, God. I'm going to pray through till you do it, till you show up, till you pour out your power on me. Lord, I'm not seeking my best life now. I'm not seeking some political power or people to like me. No, God, I just want to be an instrument in your hand to be used. I want to humble myself and let you get the glory. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Be just like brand new. Amen? Better than it's ever been. Their strength it won't be their own. It'll be God's strength. Christ in you, the hope of glory. They shall mount up with wings as eagles that soar it. They was, they was dragging before. They shall, they shall run and not, not be weary. Supernatural strength. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. I think that's the I think that's the the, the, the young and the middle aged and the older. Amen. The young ones they're gonna soar like eagles, and in the middle aged they'll run and they won't give out. And the old ones say, I can't do much. God said, Well, I'll let you walk, and you won't you won't fight. Amen. Hey, brother Dan, you need to cry and claim that one this morning. Amen. Praise God. I'm I'm praying for you, brother. He'll give you strength. Amen. He'll give you strength, brother Grant. I know he will. I believe that. I believe this God I serve. Amen. It works true. He's faithful and true. Then we read in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people which are called by my name, what does he say? The instructions shall humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. Well, first of all, you're going to have to realize you're a sinner. And I know this is a promise to Israel, but it still can be applied to us. Amen. We must humble ourselves at the, under the mighty hand of God, and we need to pray. We need to pray with everything in us and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways. God, when we begin, and you say, how do I know when all I got in my life? Well, I promise you this. If you begin to seek God's face, it won't take long until you know exactly what the problem with you is. Because when you start seeking God's face, the Holy Spirit of God will say, well, that's in the way, and 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 that's in the way. But the Bible says, if we'll do those things, if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, God says, I will hear you and will forgive your sins and will heal your land. And I know that's a promise to Israel, but I can guarantee you if the people that America would follow that verse, God would bless our country. I know that. Amen? That there's no denying it. A godly people is a blessed people. Luke chapter 11, verse 8. The Bible says, I say unto you, though he will not rise, that's the guy who came at midnight, 
I need three loaves. He said, no, he will not rise again because he's his friend, because of his importunity. So God said the instruction is, you keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking and keep hollering and hollering until you get an answer. Importunity. God says when we pray with importunity, we will receive an answer. We're not going to aggravate God either, by the way. God's not going to get up mad. That's just a story to show us. But God will, God will come to our rescue. The Bible said he will rise and give him as many as he needed. God don't say, oh, here, here's a little bit. Get out of here. No. God said, I pulled my fire out on you. Listen, all you got to do is show me you're serious. Show me you're for real. Get, hey, humble yourself under my hand. Humble yourself. Quit being walking around like you're cocky and you've got it all figured out. You need to knock yourself down a few notches and realize that you ain't nothing without me. I'm telling you, God respond. Luke 24, 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, that's what he said, you got to wait. There's some waiting. I know I, pray, I preached on that before, but when we're in prayer, we can't be in a hurry. We can't rush God. We've got to stay there until God answers. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. That's what we're praying for. That's what we ought to be praying for. God, please, empower us. Your church here in Clarkson, Texas. Lord, there are people right outside of here. There are people we could probably walk real easily and find 100 people who don't know Jesus. Very easily within an hour. If all of us went door to door, I guarantee you, we'd find 100 people that know Jesus. We might find some who thought they did, but if we question them with Scripture, we'd find out they probably did. Because there's a bunch of them thinks they're going on their good works. There's a bunch of them thinks they're going on their church membership somewhere. There's some of them going because the grandma and grandpa went to church. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, I've been door to door, and I know what people tell you. They say some crazy things because they ain't got a clue. They need people who know God to come to them humbly and say, hey, I just want to share this with you so you can have peace in your life, peace in your home, so you know the peace that I know. Acts 1-4, again, our, uh, beginning of this chapter, and being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Now, our text verse, they continue with one accord in prayer and supplication. Why? Because they wanted the power of God. I said, number one, that God requires we plead for power. And number two, that there are specific instructions. And there's promises when we, when we pray like we ought. And number three, I'm going to give you some examples of some people in the Bible who prayed for and received the power of the Holy Ghost to witness for Jesus. Now, I know you can say, well, this first one didn't. Now, this is the Old Testament. Because I'm going to talk about Elijah and Elisha for just a minute. And I realize, no, they didn't know the name of Jesus but I tell you what they knew. They knew God was going to do something. He was going to save Israel. They knew that. They knew there was a Messiah coming. They might not have known his name, but they knew he was coming. But the story of, in the Old Testament of Elijah and Elisha in 2 Kings 2, 1 through 9. The Bible said, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elisha went with Elijah or that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Carry here, I pray thee, 
For the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets were at Bethel, that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Y'all hush. I don't want to hear it. Amen. I don't think about it. And Elijah, and Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, and he wrapped it together, and he smote the waters that they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on the dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now he wasn't asking for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He was asking for a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. He knew Elijah was a man, but he knew he was God's man. And he knew he was about to be God's man. He wouldn't have his master anymore. And he said, I don't just want what you had. I want twice what you've had. I want more of God than you had. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with that. God doesn't get done and say, well, you're selfish and you're stingy. No. God says, ask, 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 and you shall receive. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. That's what our God says. That's the God we serve. We're not serving a stingy God. We got we got this plead, why to cry? Listen, I know we got to plead, but listen to me. It ain't that we got. It ain't that we got to. We we got to go forever, and He never answers. No, God will answer. But God, when He wants to see, I can see it. He wants to see that we mean. He wants to see that we're ready. He wants us to lay ourselves out before Him and get rid of everything that's in the way. Because when God when God moves in and begins to use you, He don't want no junk in there with Him. God don't want no, yeah, maybe I will and maybe I won't. No, God wants all that gone. That's why God makes us labor in prayer. That's why God makes us plead in prayer. Because we got to decide on our knees, on our face, if we really mean what we're saying. And the Bible said it, it came to pass, okay? And he asked him, he said, double portion. But when he moved down to verse 15, the Bible said, and when the sons of the prophets that which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. <clears throat> he got what he prayed for. It would have been easy for him to stay in Gilgal or it's been easy for him to stay in Bethel or stay in Jericho. He could have stayed in a lot of places, but he said, no. I want the power of God in my life. And I'm not going to sit here and miss what God's going to do to you. I want to be there. I want to be a part of it. I want what you have. 
he prayed, and God answered. John the Baptist had a set of parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they were praying people. And they prayed for John. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Powerful praying they was doing God, give us a son, but Lord, we don't want a rebel. We don't want to do a servant of God. All we do give his whole self to you, and John did. John did. Amen. He wasn't running around uptown, partying and running, saying, I'm talking about wild oats, though, before I try to serve God. I'm going to live like I want to for a while. I'm just going to hang out in the bedroom, my feet up, stinky feet, playing video games, until I decide I'm going to do something for God. No. What does the Bible say? Listen to what the Bible says about John. In Luke 180 it says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. His spirit got strong and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. He wasn't uptown. He wasn't hanging around partying. No, he was out on the desert, out in the country, out in the woods. What was he doing? He was spending time alone with God preparing for what God had for his life. That's why he was so filled with the Holy Ghost. You know what? He had no time for this world. He wanted God. The apostles, with a group of about 20, 120, I'm sorry, prayed. In our, in our text, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. By the way, his brethren wasn't saved. So just right before this. They thought he was crazy. But that's beside the point. Now, they're all on their faces before God. And we know that God answered. And the, the, the Bible said there in Acts 2 1, on the day of Pentecost, fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And that's when God sent the power. That's when God sent the Holy Ghost, and that's when the Holy Ghost baptized them all into the body of Christ. The church went forth in power. We could turn to Paul as he's riding on his donkey down the road headed to Damascus to persecute Christians. And a light shone from heaven and he he got off his donkey and it fell to the ground. He found out it was Jesus he'd been persecuting the whole time. And Jesus told him, he said, you go up there, and there's a street called Straight, and there's a fellow named Ananias. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, beginning verse 9, it said, And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. He couldn't see, and he was, he was praying and fasting. The Bible said, And the Lord said unto him in verse 11, Arise, telling, telling Ananias, Go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Here he was. He couldn't see a thing. He's there in this man named Judas's house, and he's, he's, he's just on his face praying, crying out to God. He's seen that he's wrong. Oh, don't you know he did some repenting? 
Don't you know he cried some shit, some big old tears? He has some regrets in his heart for what he's done against his Lord because he's saved now. Now he knows who Jesus is. Now he's surrendered himself to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. That was hard for him to do, too, because I guarantee he knew that. He probably knew people that, that Saul had caused, created havoc in their lives, arrested them, put them in jail. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me. Why? Because you were praying, man. You were praying. You were on your face before God cried out to him. And he spoke to me and he sent me. God answers prayer. God wants to bless more than we want to be blessed. God wants us empowered more than we want to be empowered. He sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. To do what? To preach Jesus. Because that's all Paul did. If you ever want to see what a man filled with the Holy Ghost does, look at the Apostle Paul. He, he's like the energizer buddy. He never stops. He just keeps going and going and going. You can beat him. You can tear his body to shreds. He'll keep going and going. Let him lose his eyesight. He'll keep going and going. How does he do that? He's filled with the Holy Ghost of God. That's how he ain't going to quit in him. He surrendered his life to God. He said, Lord, it's just a ragtag little body. Ain't worth nothing. I'm crippled up. I can't hardly get around. I can't sleep. God said, that's perfect. Everybody will see I'm all over you because you couldn't do it no other way. Amen. Don't ever think. Church, please hear me. Don't ever look at your limitations and say, I can't do nothing for God. God's got you right where he wants you. You, you let God use you. People say, I don't know how in the world she does it. I don't know how in the world he does it. It's God. I don't want you getting on the credit. God can take a church just like this one and set the world on fire for Jesus. And lastly, Paul. Paul prayed for the converts at Ephesus to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you what? The Spirit of wisdom. That's the Holy Ghost of God. So that when they read the Word of God, he said, and they would have the revelation in the knowledge of him, that Jesus would reveal himself to them. Can I tell you something? The, the natural man receives not the things of God. They're spiritually discerned. That takes the Spirit of wisdom. That's why you got to say, listen, that's why churches are full of ignorant Christians who don't understand their Bible, who say, you know, I, they're lying here, I don't understand. That's because you haven't sought the spirit of wisdom to help you understand. The Holy Ghost of God can help you understand the Bible. That's his job. He says that the eyes, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That means you can understand stuff that people that are lost can't understand. You understand deeper things of God that, 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 that maybe baby Christians don't understand because they don't have the Spirit of God leading them and guiding them. 
And he said that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Amen. Someday I'm going home to be with him. Someday the trumpet's going to sound. Someday I'm leaving this body of flesh. Someday I'm going to have a new body. Someday I'll be home in heaven and see all those who went before me. And I'll see all the angels in heaven. But most of all, I'll see the throne of God and I'll see the Son of God. And I'll touch the nail prints in his hands, in his feet that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what, what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. He's talking about when we stand before him and we've served him and we've loved him and we've shared Christ and we've, we've been a good witness and God gives us those crowns. That's what he's saying. This life is meant to be something. It's meant, it's, the Christian life is not to be endured, it's to be enjoyed. To the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. See, everything that Jesus has is mine. Everything that Jesus has is yours. Amen. The Bible tells us that we are joint heirs with Jesus. Now, if you're a joint heir with Jesus, you can't enjoy all that stuff in your flesh. Somebody say, well, I I just have to wait till I get to heaven to get all that stuff. You can't have it in your flesh, but you should have it in your spirit. The Spirit of God lives in your bosom if you're saved. God wants to pour out his spirit all through your life. God wants to share the riches of being saved in your life. Let me read these last two verses, and I'm going to close Again, I read the first, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to read verse 18 and 19. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. It's not about whether or not you're good enough. You weren't good enough to start with. I wasn't good enough to start with. We were washed in the blood of God's only Son, and it makes us white as snow, clean. And when God looks down at you, I know we've all messed up. We fail every day. We need daily cleansing. But let me tell you something. When God looks down, he doesn't see you dirty. He He sees you covered in the blood of Christ. But you and I know that we have things in between us and God, and therefore we need to go and get under his mighty hand, and we need to cry out, Lord God, forgive me. I repent. I ask you, please cleanse my life and these things, Lord. I don't interest me from having full fellowship with you like I should. Oh, dear God, please, clean these things out of my life, and please use me. I want to be an instrument in your hand, Lord. I want to reach people. I want to touch people. I want to see people get saved. I want, to, I want to be able to minister to people with Scripture and see them see and see them latch on to your word and believe and, and trust you to, to, to overcome obstacles in their life, to put their family back together, healing in their homes, peace in their homes. All those things are attainable. And all those things can be gotten through a child of God who knows the word of God with the spirit of God's help. God can use you. And if God if everybody in here sought the Sought that the way those, those disciples did, waiting those 10 days before Pentecost, we see revival sweep through this place. 
So I'll leave you with this. If you want to see that. If you want to see that, you can't do nothing about what somebody else is going to do. But if you want to see that, you can only do something about what they're going to do. So I challenge you. I urge you. I'm not going to browbeat you, but I challenge you. Spend some time with God praying about this, about, about how urgent you are to see God work in your life, in the life of this church, in the lives of those around you. Because I'm going to tell you, as we go through this book, you're going to see that there's no reason why it shouldn't be happening here. There's no reason. There's no excuses. Because, see, listen, has God changed? Has his book changed? Has the Holy Spirit of God changed? People are still sinners, right? They can still get saved the same way they've always gotten saved. God hasn't, God, ha, listen, God hadn't turned the sign around on the door. He ain't drawn the curtains. He ain't turned the lights out. He ain't closed up shop. He's still in the business of saving sinners. I got a friend over in Texas County right now, Brother Donnie Edwards. He used to be at East Parish. I, I went to church and grew up with him. They just got to have a vacation Bible school over there. I think they had seven or eight Sundays. They're not, they're not doing the, the, the massive vacuum cleaners to run them through the vacuum. No, they're not doing that. They're seriously praying for God's power. They're doing it different. They get the men together. Well, not just the men. Anybody else, they go out and play, they go fishing. And they, they share their boats with them and pray. He preaches them that they, 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 their life is caught up in serving God. And, and I'm going to tell you something. This church, we need we need. Get our lives caught up in serving God. Cry out for God's power daily. We see things begin to happen. We see people get saved. We see things begin to change. I urge you, I plead with you. Pray for it. Pray for it. Let's stand together. Prevailing in prayer. That's what it takes, my friends. It takes prevailing in prayer. God wants to do something this morning in your life. He wants to do something in my life. But we've got to be willing to humble ourselves under his hand. And I want to urge you this morning, if God's speaking to you, if God's showing you something, do business with him now. Don't wait around. Just do something. Just do business with him now. He wants to. He wants to work in your life this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you. I thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for using me this morning. Thank you for preaching through me this morning. Lord God, I know it's your desire, Lord, that your church be sold out to you, surrender, bathed in your power, and Lord, working for your glory. Lord, that's my heart's desire. Lord, I pray it's the desire of your people. And Lord God, we need to humble ourselves. And we need to seek Holy Ghost power in our lives. Father, please move during this invitation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 209, you say, Where we leave, I'll go.
Amen. And that last one says, My heart, my life, my all I bring, everything to Christ who loves me, so he is my master, Lord, and king. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to ask the Lord's bless, blessing on the food. And uh, 